name is Caroline Garnham from boutique law firm Garnham Family Office Services. We protect and preserve the wealth of the world's rich and famous. But having a good lawyer is only part of the solution. My podcast, How to Keep Your Money, draws on my 30 years experience and my extensive network of professional advisors to better inform you. Subscribe to our podcast and learn from the professionals on how to keep your money. This is episode 32 of How to Keep Your Money. I'm Caroline Garnham of Garnham Family Office Services, private client lawyers and specialists in finding solutions for our clients. I'm joined remotely by John Cross, Senior Vice President of Mirabeau and C, a bank based in Switzerland. John and I share a passion. We want to go beyond know your client to know your network. Yes, it is important that a client will get on with his or her bank, but it is also important to know how the bank makes its money and how it incentivizes its employees to know whether the bank's business is aligned with the interests of the client. This is what I call a culture of care in my book, Reimagining the Role of the Private Client Post-Lockdown. And I believe that it is the future and will become the new normal. John, welcome. Mirabeau has been owned by the same family for over 200 years. Yves Mirabeau, the senior manager partner, says Mirabeau is more than a name. It is a symbol of continuity. It was formed in 1819 and is still family owned family managed and has family values. John, tell me about the bank, its family and its history. Firstly, thank you, Caroline, for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to chat to you and your audience. As you said, I work for Mirabeau. Mirabeau is a privately owned bank based in Geneva, Switzerland. The bank has three business lines. Uh, The bank's core business, which we'll see is very important as we go through this chat, is wealth management. That is, we offer to hold money uh, and listed assets for clients. Uh, When I say listed assets, I mean stocks, bonds, commodities, and currencies, etc. And then we offer to manage those assets either with the clients using advisory mandates or for the clients using discretionary mandates. Our second business line is asset management. We run a stable of funds. Um, That business is based in London and in Geneva. And then finally, we have a securities business where we offer brokerage services to professional and corporate investors, as well as advisory services. And we're also acknowledged experts on the capital markets. Besides all that, we offer a full range of standard banking services, credit card, debit cards, uh, paying money, receiving money, whatever clients might like. Um, In terms of the bank's history, it is actually very interesting because it has a lot to do with the values that the bank still has today. So to understand the history, one has to first look at um, the time it came from, and that's the Geneva history, or the the state of Geneva in the 1800s. Geneva in the 1800s was a stop along a trade route from what nowadays is northern Europe going down to southern Europe. People could stop and buy and sell goods like gold and other commodities. There were also watchmakers and then bankers who would offer loans to merchants and then nobility from the surrounding areas. Um, added to this, uh, 
Geneva was a, was, would welcome prof, Protestant refugees from the surrounding areas. Uh, Jean Calvin um, had, was, had a very big part in that. And alongside welcoming these refugees, they were also encouraged to keep their ties to the places they had come from. This is culturally and linguistically, and so this made Geneva a very, very international place, as it still is today. As you'll know, the UN sits here in Geneva. In terms of the bank itself, it was founded in 1819 by a gentleman named David Mark Packard, whose daughters then married into the Mirabeau family. And it is actually interesting to note that the very, very first Mirabeau recorded in Geneva was a gentleman named Jean Mirabeau, um, and that was in 1731. He was a Protestant refugee from France, and um, he started out in Geneva as a shopkeeper in a grocery and drug store, and then developed into banking from that. Uh, Jean-Jacques, uh, the gentleman whose daughters married David Packard, uh, the sons of David Packard, um, they were, that, that was, those were the grandchildren of this original Mirabeau. Now, what's interesting about this gentleman, um, the business that he started, that it developed from the grocery store, ended as a result of the, of the French Revolution and uh, Napoleon's conflict with the English. So this was sort of indicative of the time in Geneva was very, very, um, I suppose that time in what is nowadays Europe, was very tumultuous. And uh, this, I think, was a sort of sowing the seed in um, some of the Swiss bankers, especially Mirabeau, about intergenerational investing and, and investing forward. Over the generations, um, Mirabeau partners have remained. We are now in the seventh generation of Mirabeau's uh, in, in the bank. Nicola Mirabeau, Yves Mirabeau, and Camille Vial, all partners, descend from the original founder of the bank and several generations of partners. That's very interesting, John. As you said, which is quite fascinating, the Swiss banking is emblematic, uh, along with Swiss Alps, Swiss chocolate, and Swiss watchmaking. And you've, you've mm. set the scene as to why that should be. By expanding borders beyond uh, the Swiss borders, by expanding the banking beyond the Swiss borders in 1985, Mirabeau thereby exposed itself to foreign states' lawsuits. Despite this risk, it did so anyway, and now has 16 offices in Europe, offices in South America and the Middle East. What was the impetus behind this expansion despite the risks? Was it the strong family brand of Mirabeau or did Mirabeau in some way anticipate the future? Um, the initial move offshore was actually made for clients' protection and with clients in mind. It was thought wise at the, at the time, this is 1985, to have another neutral jurisdiction that clients' money could be placed in should there be a, an issue um, on continental Europe. Um, a neutral choice outside Switzerland uh, was, was made in Canada. Um, Canada had uh, language similarities and also the regulatory conditions at the time suited that very well. So that was the initial move offshore from Mirabeau. And then from then, um, the, group of the, the growth of the group has really been organic. Um, organic growth, I think, is somewhat of a privilege nowadays. It's uh, because we, we're, the bank is sort of very, very focused on, um, on, on the future and, and what's coming. Um, it, it rather focuses on organic growth as opposed to sort of leverage, leveraging up, putting itself somewhere, and then hoping to grow there. So growth in, um, in the other offices you mentioned, uh, France, Luxembourg, Italy, et cetera, et cetera, has come from the bank's success in those jurisdictions offering offering banking services. And then um, because they've done well there, 
they've invested money into, into local offices and, and they've grown that way. And as you said, they now have 16 offices or 16, um, yes, call them offices across the world. Um, at the same time as, as what I've mentioned, there was also a thought uh, some time ago to start offering onshore banking to clients in countries. And uh, as we've seen, that was uh, quite a good choice that the, that the partners made at the time. That's very interesting. Thank you. Thank you, John. You've said Mirabeau's core business is wealth management, for which it requires global expertise, but Mirabeau wants it with a personalised approach. This is the ethos around which Mirabeau builds its wealth management. How does it ensure that its ethos is adopted throughout the globe and the, and the offices across the world? Well, I think ethos really is, is, is kind of contained in the culture of the group. Um, the culture and the, and the business model of the group suits wealth management very, very well. So when you've got a, a good sort of basis from which you're offering your services on, it's not hard to imagine how that, that because the basis is effective and it's correct for the kind of services we offer, it's not hard to see how that will be adopted through, uh, through the world and through the, through, the different, uh, through the different offices we have. What's very, very important to the group are, as I've said, wealth management is our core business. So long-term, stable and steady growth of wealth. Um, and, and, the, and the bits and pieces come with that, that come with that, like how we invest our money, diversification, uh, the bank believes very strongly in open architecture. So we, we have funds that we run, but next to those funds, we, have, uh, we also include in our portfolios funds from other fund managers. Um, we also very, very rely on convictions. So that again is, is, is the grace of, of the way we do our business. You know, we, we have the ability to, because we are a, a privately owned bank, um, we have the ability to sort of take investment direction for clients and then stick to that over the long term. John, you mentioned during earlier conversations, and I mean, we've had many conversations about this, that a bank should be chosen wisely. Mm -hmm. In my book, Reimagining the Role of the Private Client Professional Post-Lockdown, I explain why it is so important to know how a private client business, whether it be a lawyer, accountant, or banker, makes its money and how it incentivizes its staff. Tell us a bit about how Mirabeau NC makes its money and what sort of clientele this is ideal for. Oh, Caroline, thank you. That's a great question. Um, I think just to begin to answer this question, people need to remember, remember very clearly that banking is a business. So businesses fail, and if a bank fails, depositors risk losing their money in that bank. People really don't, don't often remember that, and it's quite important to look at, especially if you're the one putting money into a bank as opposed to somebody borrowing money from the bank. Um, the best way to understand how a bank's business model suits you and suits clients' needs is to ask three basic questions. Uh, the first question is, how does the bank make their profit? That is, what is their business model? The second question is, who does the bank work for? And the third question is, what does the bank want from you? Looking at how bank, a bank makes its money is simply looking at what the bank's core business is and how effectively this suits your situation. For example, a bank that lends is appropriate if you'd like to buy a house, 
to start a business. You get what you need, you get a loan, and the bank earns interest on the money that it has lent to you. The flip side is that the money that you that the bank is lending to you is not theirs, but belongs to other clients whom they pay interest to. Um, as a borrower, this is great for you because the risk is for the bank. However, as a depositor in such a bank, um, it's not the situation is not ideal. If the bank lends money to a very bad business and the business fails, well, um, you you do stand or you could lose your money. Um, we saw some of that in, in 2008. Um, there's a nice quote which uh, which uh, which I often use, which summarizes the situation nicely. Um, if you owe the bank a million dollars, you have a problem. If you owe the bank a hundred million dollars, the bank has a problem, or more specifically, the bank's other clients have a problem. Understanding, understanding who the bank works for is also very important. Going back to the previous example, if the bank is a listed, if the bank is listed, then they work for their shareholders. It seems obvious, but it implies above all that their shareholders must be kept happy. This means that the services they offer their clients are designed to increase shareholder wealth, but not necessarily the well-being of their clients. If you're borrowing money from a listed bank, this would not be a problem. If, however, you want a bank to invest your money for you in a conservative way over a number of years, sometimes listed groups are not ideal. Listed companies have quarterly reporting and need to show quarterly profit. Investing conservatively is a long-term game. And when investing for the long haul, one takes direction and sticks to that direction with minor adjustments along the way to keep course. This type of business does not suit quarterly profits well, or not often anyway. Oftentimes, these types of banks' clients are sold more products and services that they don't really need or even want, but their shareholders do. Uh, you may be familiar with pushy financial advisors calling you every week to offer you some brand new opportunity that simply cannot be missed. This may be true for the bank offering the services, but it's likely not true for the client who's been pushed into buying the product. The final uh, question, asking what the bank wants from you, is also critical to understand, and that will tell you if the bank's interests and your interests are aligned. For example, if you want to buy a home and you go to a large listed lender, bank wants you, the bank wants to lend you money and you want to borrow, so you have a win-win. If, however, you want the bank to invest money for you and hold deposits, then a large listed lender is a bad idea. They want to lend your money out to other borrowers, whereas you want safety and no credit risk. And moreover, they want to generate quarterly profits while you're looking for a steady long-term return. Mirabeau, for example, doesn't lend money. Uh, we, we, uh, we will lend money against, we will lend people money against their portfolios, we call this long lending, but we do not take any, and we don't offer any unsecured credit. This is a, one of the one of the reasons why we are well suited to wealth to being in wealth management. Thank you very much. Um, may I ask, can we hear your kids in the background? Are you working yes. from home? Sorry about that. Yes, <laughs> we've also fallen victim to our wife. So yes, we are we are as affected by COVID here as anybody else is. So yes, they're here. I'm trying to keep them quiet. <laughs> to hear kids enjoying themselves in the background. Uh, Bertrand Bouichot, I uh, hope I haven't pronounced that incorrectly, is the Mirabeau and C International Head of Marketing and has said that clients are attracted to the heritage and strong foundation of the bank, which you, you described very well. As a family-owned bank, you say that your clients' interests and that of banks are aligned. Um, tell me more about this and tell me what Bertrand means by this. 
Okay, so that, that is that is that's critical actually. So the bank, as I say, has been around for two hundred years. Um, this has this has you could draw two things or two points from that. The first point is that we've had two hundred years of experience. I should say the bank has had certainly not me. Have had two hundred years of experience in managing people's money. Um, I did mention earlier and putting it into context, the bank was founded around the time of the French Revolution or just after that and during the wars with Napoleon. So that's a long, long time ago. So any crisis for the last 200 years, the bank has got itself and its clients through. So that's that that you can see. I mean, it's now self-evident um, the focus of the group and how well their approach has worked. So that's very good for clients from having having a bank that has this clearly has this focus and has managed to um, kind of do what it says it's going to do over the years. The other part that's important is that the bank's owned by the bank is owned by its partners, which are the Mirabeau family, and. When wealth management is the core business, as is ours, um, if we do well for our clients, the partners themselves do well. So we're doing well for our clients when we manage to run portfolios in a way that makes their money over the long term. As we do that, the clients are enriched and that keeps them going. So this whole thing is a sort of win-win situation. As the one wins, the other one wins. On the other hand, as the one loses, the other one loses as well. So if clients lose money, Partners will also lose money because our results will not be as good. Um, banks' fees are usually charged as percentages of uh, assets under management. So as these things drop, so does our fee base. So our, our interests as bankers and the owners of our group are very, very much aligned with our clients, um, as long as they are with us for the purpose of wealth management. Thank you. Thank you, John, for explaining that. Um, you and I have been working together for many years, and I know that your roots are from south africa mm. how did you get in i've never asked you this before but how did you get into banking end up in switzerland the home and heart of private banking and get to work for mirabeau and c mm. thank you for the question uh frankly my coming to geneva was was really a very happy accident um as you said i was from i am from south africa i did university and school there and um i was offered a job in switzerland as a, as a gold and foreign exchange trader uh, well, I should say trading gold and foreign exchange trader for a small metals company here. So I came along and uh, for three months, which developed. And um, after about sort of 18 months of that, I, I, I realized that I think I, I wanted to be more with people. Um, trading tends to be you know, quite technical and you, there's, not, there's not much exposure to, to, to people outside of the dealing room. And so I tried to reinvent myself, I, should, I, I guess, successfully as, a, as successfully as a private banker. Geneva was the home of private banking and still is. And so that, that's where I try to find work outside of a trading company. I eventually managed to get myself employed by BNP Paribas. I was an assistant to private banking at that point, learning the trade. The idea was to for me to learn how to do private banking, and then I would start traveling to South Africa to develop a book of South African clients for then BNP. Um, I worked for BNP for about three years. Then I joined a group called HyperSwiss, which was a very, very small Geneva-based bank, but owned by a large cantonal bank which was uh, the Cantonal Bank of St. Gallen, when I started traveling to both South Africa and Liberia to find clients. And then in 2011, I was recruited by Mirabeau. That's three years after I joined HyperSwiss, and I've never looked back. Um, Mirabeau has been a great place to work up to now, and I'm, I'm lucky to be there. Well, I feel very happy to be there. Thank you, John, for taking the time to speak with me this afternoon. It has been quite insightful. Mirabeau, as we have discovered, looks to the future, but with its feet firmly on the ground and its values rooted in its history. 
It's a shining example of a culture of care which puts its clients at the heart of what it does and how it thinks. Thank you, John, for sharing with us the inside story of Mirabeau and why its history, culture and size make it an exceptional wealth manager for families, wherever they may be across the globe.